Hey, Kate. Hey, good afternoon. Good afternoon. So we talked a little bit this week and decided lifestyle medicine and well-being would be our topics today. Absolutely. Seems to be pretty timely. <laughs> it does. I feel like there's more and more um, in the news um, and just as people are coming off their COVID um, weight gain that people are going back to the doctor and seeing a lot of effects of what maybe too much food, maybe too much sedentariness, um, maybe too much alcohol um, over the last two years, maybe not enough getting outside and getting exercise um, and the implications of that. Mm -hmm. um, but the good news is, is that there are a lot of things that we can affect with lifestyle medicine, just simply in the you know, the lifestyle medicine, for those of you who don't know, it's, it's, it's the element of six different factors within our lives, stress, sleep, relationships, um, diet, exercise, uh, and, and spirituality, and how all of those come together to really, um, uh, affect our health. And for me, what I've noticed, and I don't know if, if you've noticed this, um, with you as well, but, um, for me, it all comes back to, uh, you know, nutrition and exercise, just from the, sim the simplicity of all those other factors. If I'm stressed, it's probably because I haven't exercised. Um, or if I'm stressed, I need to exercise in order to get over the stress. Um, or if I'm super emotional or if I'm upset or, or, you know, my, my, my go-to who doesn't like a little bit of dark chocolate, but my go-to is like, you know, the emotional eating of, of the carbs and whatnot. And, and so, you know, if I can, if I can concentrate on all of them, it feels like the diet and exercise is a lot easier. You know, mm -hmm. if I can, if I can scan where I'm at, I can see where like, oh, I haven't exercised or, oh, I haven't, uh, I, I haven't been eating well, or I've drank too much or whatnot. So mm -hmm. um, over the course of, gosh, is it already July? Over the course of seven months now, eight months now. <laughs> it's almost August. <laughs> it is almost August. Um, over the course of the last several, you know, eight months, nine months, um, I've changed the way that I've eaten um, and, and fed my family, um, gone more and more plant-based, um, given up red meat, given up meat, um, all but fish. Um, and I am feeling a lot different in just how I carry myself and I've lost gosh 15 pounds which for a woman of my age is a little hard to do my husband of course has lost 25 but so it goes you know <laughs> to both of you it's that that's hard for everyone yeah but I've also felt a shift in like my energy levels just as I I treat alcohol more as a uh a sometimes food um a you know something to either do with celebration or or whatnot versus an every night thing and sleep is better and that sort of thing is there anything that you've experienced with respect to you know diet exercise um spirituality etc yeah i i agree with you that the energy levels are just up um actually optimism mm. has improved and i think it's important to talk about some learnings in that lifestyle medicine is plant-based, but plant-based does not mean vegan necessarily. Plant-based means a majority 
of diet from, from plant uh, products. And so I, I think that helped me realize that I didn't have to go from this completely to that, um, that almost like you just said about alcohol being a sometime thing. Yeah. I view meat as a sometime thing so I can sprinkle it in when I want, but have really found it. Um, I feel, I just feel lighter, even when the weight on the scale isn't necessarily moving, I feel lighter and I feel like I have a little bounce in my step. Um, I also learned a lot of lifestyle medicine. It, it, we all need to remember it starts with our body. Yeah. Our emotional health starts with our body. And it's predominantly about how do we treat our body? Well, you feed it with the right fuels, high octane fuels. Yeah. Uh, you give that body some rest. Yeah. And you give that brain a break mm -hmm. from all of this um, by settling in and focusing on a few things and having a mindfulness practice. So we talk generally about work-life balance. And I, I think lifestyle medicine has become my way to practice. That. That's interesting because, it, it, you know, one of the things, one of the pieces that I'm, you know, we, we learn that we can't tackle everything at the same time. One of the, the practices that I have struggled with over the years has been um, meditation and mindfulness. I've found ways through yoga to be mindful and, and to, you know, having, have a moving meditation, but I still haven't um, cracked the nut on how do I integrate into my daily, um, you know, uh, the, even a meditation practice, even a couple minutes. Now I do it when, when I feel like I need to, mm -hmm. but it's not, it's not a part of my routine yet. Mm -hmm. Well, I would challenge you a little bit that, <laughs> I think you are practicing mindfulness when you are in the kitchen, because I know you've explored uh, new ways to cook and you're very focused. So mindfulness doesn't necessarily have to be meditative practice. Yes. It's just being mindful and focused on something um, in the now. And so I've, I've heard you talk about those times. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I think that's true. I think that they're paying attention. Um, I, I have a very strict practice um, when I'm meeting with someone one-to-one, uh, -one, if it's not a big meeting, there are no, there's nothing that comes in. There's no, no texts, no chats, no nothing. Um, and I tell people like, I'm sorry, you had to email me three times yesterday. I got an email three times and I'm like, I'm sorry. I was in, <laughs> I was in one-on-ones for the last hour and a half you know, I don't multitask through those. So, um, apologize for the wait, but here's, mm -hmm. you know, here's what I can do for you. Mm -hmm. Um, but it, it's just so interesting that, that, that culture of interrupt is so standard, mm -hmm. um, that, uh, you know, it's, it's almost foreign. Like I know that you're in a meeting cause you know, the technology tells you that I'm in a meeting. Um, and yeah, I still want to interrupt you to, to have you do whatever I need done. Mm -hmm. almost the standard and the science now shows it's impossible for us to multitask mm -hmm. it's impossible for our brains to do this and that simultaneously we fool ourselves because we go back and forth around different things really quickly but 
that's not multitasking. That's just erratic, crazy chaos in our heads. Yeah. I think of it as doing two things poorly. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I've not just decided to do one thing. I've decided to do two things poorly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and again, as long as you know, you're making that decision. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, the people that I'm working with or talking with, like, for instance, you, like, if I were to, to go and do something right now, it would, you would be able to tell A and B, it would make you feel bad. Yeah. And I don't, I don't want you to feel bad. And I certainly don't want you to feel like I'm wasting your time. Gosh, that would that'd be awful. Mm -hmm. exactly. I would like to get into the meditation. I'm just taking it, you know, one step at a time over what, what do we have buttoned up? Um, and then using it like I do the physician, like you go to the physician when you're sick, you go to, you know, I go to my, I go to meditation when, when it's, it's, it's unbearable. Right. So I use it as that. The interesting thing that I found with lifestyle medicine um, is, and you have so, and I hesitate to even talk about healthcare because you have such a vast experience in healthcare, but you know, there, there's this, the way that I've used um, physicians in the past have been like, something's wrong with me. I need to go to the doctor or, you know, I have an annual exam, um, where we might take some blood or whatever. I a physical every year with my, with my, um, feminine doctor, but whatever there, there's not really in, anything in between. Like there's not an optimization of how I'm feeling, right. but with lifestyle medicine, there's that optimization of what's happening in this moment, not to prevent disease, but to enable people to thrive, right. To enable myself to thrive. Mm -hmm. Um, how do I feel when I eat this or that or the other, how do I feel when I don't exercise or don't get enough sleep and then tweaking based upon how I feel, you know, to, to kind of tune that in. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So. And, and I appreciate I've got years of experience in healthcare, but I think it's important to raise up that, um, I, I was never clinical and those that are physicians and nurses will tell you very few hours of their nursing or medical school training were about, um, diet. Yeah. Um, and even those scientists are just beginning to discover that plant-based diets and lifestyle medicine are helping to reverse heart disease. Yeah. Um, there was a long standing belief that heart disease could not be reversed. Long standing beliefs that diabetes could not be reversed. And now research studies are beginning to prove in humans that those things can indeed be reversed. So the whole medical community and health system, you know, network are, are learning these lessons very recently as well. Yeah. Um, and only a few health systems have lifestyle medicine programs. It's still, still fairly new. Um, some are offering culinary medicine to help people in the community learn how to cook differently, learn how to shop differently, but it's, it's pretty few and far between. So I think that's important to mention. I, I think a lot of people assume they can go to the physician or can go to a clinic and, and receive these services. Um, and yet medical practitioners are typically trained to fix problems, yeah. um, not to do these kinds of things. So it requires you to look. Yeah. And it feels that way, right? You go, the person goes to the shop when their bumper is broken and the, the shopkeeper fixes the bumper. Yeah. They don't look at the whole picture or yeah. even 
you know, they're looking at the symptoms and dialing in on the symptoms versus what else is causing yeah. the, the disruption. And doing a great job of it. Yes. But that role is very different than what we're starting to dig into and trying to prevent and trying to just feel better. Yeah. So I took my first, um, you know, I'm in chef coaching, yes. um, which is culinary coaching, really focused on, you know, getting people to think about how they can start to in, it, put lifestyle medicine into their lives, mostly in the uh, diet and cooking at home and that sort of thing. So I did take my first cooking class, um, uh, train the trainer almost for that. And, and it was fascinating. Um, and what it, what it challenged me is, um, to use ingredients that I wouldn't normally think about. I do not like peppers. They give me heartburn. So I avoid peppers or they, they gave me heartburn, you know, five, 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, but every, um, every dish had a little bit of pepper in it. Um, and the cool thing about it was, you know, a different way of thinking about making your soups creamy or a different way of thinking about how to use um, green, red and yellow bell peppers as um, as a salsa, mm. you know, as a healthy salsa on top of eggplant. Um, we made tahini that was flavored with a roasted red pepper. But the the aspect of it is um, that I that I most enjoyed was, you know, approaching vegetables that didn't feel like they were approachable. Like the eggplant always felt like, you know, when you get eggplant in, in a lot of cuisines, it's a little slimy, um, yeah. like that texture, um, but kind of approaching it in a new way. And then thinking about, okay, well, I have a sauce that I like that doesn't have bell peppers in it. <laughs> like I can combine that sauce with this roasted eggplant and and then you get, you start to get excited about eating vegetables. Mm -hmm. Like vegetables, when I grew up, were never that exciting. I don't know about you, but it was a lot wow. like, no, no we had canned green beans quite often oh, 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 oh. as, as a side to the meat and potato. Nice. Nice. And mm -hmm. I mean, the meat and the potato tasted good. Mm -hmm. So the more, like one of the ways that I think about how we can shift the plate is you can still have meat, but it's maybe it's smaller, but more of the eggplant with the green sauce or, or, you know, it doesn't have to be just a salad, right? It can be right. something more that is so enticing. And that's what gets me excited. So when you think about like mindfulness with food, the the thing that I, I, um, I've taken to doing is like, I might not like a hundred percent of this particular dish. What could I do instead? Mm -hmm. You know, cause I hate cilantro. I'm a super taster. Cilantro was all over these dishes. I'm like, I'm not putting that in there. <laughs> not happening. <laughs> But I do like parsley, so let's chop that up and put that in there, right? Um, it's green, it's fluffy, it's the same. Sure. <laughs> it's often purchased instead of <laughs> instead of cilantro if they're right next to each other. So like things like that, where it's like, okay, well, my flavor palette is this. What do I get excited about, and how can I you know interject that into the dish? Yeah, and it gives you this freedom of experimentation. Freedom, and I'm hearing creativity. I mean. Mm -hmm. It's just fun to have that palette of, of foods with different colors. Um, veggies and fruits are so much more colorful than a lot of the meats and yeah. other. So neat. Yeah. So it was fun. Um, that was done on Tuesday night. Okay. So, Did you yeah. cook any new dishes this week then? Um, I made poke bowls. Okay. So poke bowls at home, which I don't raw fish at home had was always a little intimidating um but um we're purchasing it from a really nice supplier i live in california so we have a lot of 
um, access to that type of stuff. Uh -huh. um, and uh, so I made Poke Bowls um, two nights because I bought a lot of tuna. <laughs> There's only two of us. <laughs> but my my big experimentation was um, the eggplant, um, the lemon soup, et cetera. Okay. And no food poisoning. No food poisoning. Everybody's well. Everybody's well. It's so tasty. <laughs> My husband was eating it and he's like, we're never getting Pokeballs outside ever again. Cause it, you know, there's a freshness, um, and a quality of ingredient that you get at home when you're not commercially manufacturing something. So, yes. Yeah. So, and you know, there's no MSG or other stuff in there. No fillers. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. amazing. So we had that twice this week um, and a really nice halibut this week as well that I poached. So it, it's, it's been really fun to kind of take this journey because a year and a half ago, yeah, a year and a half ago, I didn't cook. We had a meal service come in. Um, I mean, we're very lucky, but we, we had a meal service come in and I would, you know, order out a couple of nights a week and the meal service would come. And before that I was doing like the hello fresh and like the, the boxes of food that you get mailed or ordered to you. Um, and that's how I would cook. Um, yeah. but, um, you know, those things only teach you what's in the box. Right. And I didn't, I didn't feel like I could deviate, but now I, I deviate all over the place. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as I knew you were thinking about lifestyle medicine this week, I started to think about well-being because mm -hmm. they go hand in hand. Uh, lifestyle medicine tends to be more scientific, well-being more, how you're really feeling. A lot of it is perceived as personal. Yeah. Um, and I think my struggle has been how do we impart the knowledge that all of this is important to help people show up at work mm -hmm. to help businesses thrive to well frankly create a business case yeah for supporting your people supporting your workforce um with this so they can show up to be the very best and improve your bottom line and you know it, it's tough I mean, a lot of people just say this all this well-being stuff is just soft employee engagement is just the soft stuff hr needs to just handle that. Um, and Gallup came out uh, with their worldwide report on what's it called exactly state of the global workplace 2022 report um, just this week. So, you know, how, how cool is that? It just showed up at the right time. So just a few tidbits, the CEO starts off the report by saying how many hours we generally work in a lifetime. 81,396 hours. And wow. So that calculation and the assumptions. 81,396 hours. And the, you know, the only thing that comes close to that many hours in a lifetime is the amount of time we sleep. Yeah. So that's how important this is for us to be healthy, be well, be, be, mindful, have well-being. Um, and the, they also talk a little bit about, you know, we all try to separate work professional from personal. Yeah. 
We are one human being. <laughs> yeah, it's impossible. You don't check your emotions. Like if if you're the type of person who badges in, the emotions don't just fall off. Like you like pick them up when you get back. Yeah, yeah. And so other stats are Gallup has found in this last report that 60% of people are emotionally detached at work and 19% are just flat out miserable. They comment being miserable at work can bring more suffering to a person's life than being unemployed. Wow. Which might have to do a little bit with the great resignation. Yeah. Um, let's see. It's not just the hours imbalance or location that leaves workers unhappy. It's what is really happening at work. That's making them miserable. And it's not rocket science. Um, They've looked at unfair treatment at work. They've looked at unmanageable workload, unclear communications for managers, lack of manager support, and unreasonable time pressure. And those are all factors. Yeah. The common theme in all of that is your boss. Yeah. There's a lot of direction that your boss gives and, and the, you know, how you're treated definitely has to do with your boss. And whether whether it's done by them or condoned by them you yep. know someone else is the problem but they're condoning it mm -hmm. your manager manages the work environment yep yep exactly so i know we like to talk to leaders um i know we believe you know leaders make companies successful or not mm -hmm. um, but leaders also are the key linchpin to how does the workforce show up and and how uh, productively, efficiently, and successfully, can they take the organization forward? So for me, the business case for all this lifestyle and well-being work and, and great leadership is the bottom line of your company. Yeah. Is the bottom line of your company able to grow and is it able to get back to green um, or, or not? So the fix, according to Gallup, is better leadership in the workplace and managers being better listeners, coaches, and collaborators. Um, frankly, just making sure people feel uh, like someone cares about them. And if their boss does not care about them, uh, it's not going to be effective. So two more stats, 79% of workers think this kind of environment where their boss cares about them and they're respected at work seems like a pipe dream. Mm. Only for 21% of workers is that a reality. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, and if you think about the last time you worked for someone that you were super jazzed for, yeah, this is, this is why this matters to the bottom line. Like you're super jazzed for, you would go the extra mile for them. Yeah. You're working late. You're not even feeling it because you're a part of a team. Mm -hmm. You're jazzed about what you're doing. You're feeling heard. Like the more creativity, the more energy you have towards work, it's not even about the hours. It's about the motivation. Mm -hmm. That is what reaps so many more dividends on a person's salary, right? You don't just want to pay, you don't want to get it to be, you know, what I pay you is what I get out of you. You actually need a higher amount in order to make profit. Mm -hmm. So that, that, that creativity and that, that, um, that way of engaging other people's, it, it, it's, um, it's contagious. It so is that's why that matters. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. Yes. In fact, 
Business units with engaged workers have 23% higher profit compared to business to businesses with miserable workers. So yeah, no sense. surprise, but they were able to quantify some things that yeah. um, are pretty important. I love Gallup. Yeah, I just love that they have standard surveys across the world. They, they're able to segment. Anyone can go to Gallup and, and get this report. Um, I'm looking for a couple more things. While you're looking for that, what occurs to me is the, um, the what you were saying around um, you know, miserable workers and, uh -huh. and, and have the attribution of workload being a part of that and the great resignation. So as people leave and either we struggle to backfill or in some cases, like my business unit is not able to backfill another employee, right? That workload goes up. Yeah. And if you don't address that, you're just, you're screaming for burnout. And yeah. you might get short-term, it might be okay, but long-term, I mean, three or six months down the line, it doesn't take very long to get to burnout, right? Three or six months down the line, you're in a, you're in a worse place than you were today. Yeah. It doesn't take long at all. And then if it continues, uh, then the individuals are t likely to get actively disengaged. Right. You know, burnout yeah, is just kind of like, I'm not engaged anymore. I'm overwhelmed. But then it leads to active disengagement, which gets ugly fast. So yeah, what I was looking for is, of course, they have all kinds of takeaways. Um, number six in the report is employee well-being is the new workplace imperative. Hmm. And so it could be a case of I'm biased and I'm looking for what I want to see. Um, but they go into some detail about how engagement and well-being interact with each other. They're not the same thing. And again, globally, when they worked at workplace data, um, those that say they were stressed yesterday at work, um, they compare 49% of those that are not thriving personally and not engaged at work um, were indeed stressed yesterday, while those that are thriving personally and are engaged at work, um, only 30% say they were stressed hmm. the day prior. So lots of stuff lots of data um the last interesting piece though is even though in america um 30 some percent um of our workforce is engaged in the us and canada um it's even worse everywhere else in the world it's in the mid 20s wow mhm mm so I walked away not knowing whether that means, well, I guess we're okay in the U.S. and Canada. <laughs> well, I, maybe if your bar is really low, I mean, we don't we want to be kind of... <laughs> maybe we should focus on international or whether we should go, oh my gosh, this is how bad it really is everywhere. Yeah. And worse. Mean, yeah. It, I think there's an opportunity. Let's mm -hmm. let's look at it as the opportunity is um it's a target rich environment for us to, to to go after and and think about different ways of engaging employees, different ways of training up managers and leaders so that they can empathize and manage that workload and manage the environment, figure out how to prioritize, build business cases for the for the things that they should do and the things that they don't need to do. Mm -hmm. Gotta relook at things when when 
so many people are failing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So lots to think about. So what would your main takeaway be today, Kate? I think the, I'd like to leave us with just the thought around, um, how can we creatively solve problems, um, that are facing us in the workplace? Yeah. And mine is tap into these resources out there, tap into the data and seek out some assistance. And Kate said it earlier about how we need to come together. I'm feeling like connection is something that I'm seeing in, in everything I read and, and experiencing when I now go out and talk to others. We need to connect um, authentic, authentically um, and really have these hard conversations about um, the old is gone, the old is over. These numbers are lower than ever before. Um, and so connect to have the courage to try some new things um, and, and learn from others. Yeah, I agree. Thanks so much for the time, Gwen. Thank you. Have a good one.